Love Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this.
As you know, the concept of destruction plants is going to tree sound. Really, that's all this is, except that instead of sucking water, I'm sucking life. I've just sucked one year of your life away. I might one day go as high as five, but I really don't know what I could do to you, so let's just start with what we have. What did this do to you? Tell me. And remember, this is for posterity, so be honest. How do you feel? <laughs> interesting. And it certainly has been an interesting week. So, Thomas, would you please pray for us? Absolutely. Right after our scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Lord God, we thank you for another opportunity to host Pro-Life Friday's radio, Lord God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that what is shared here today will tug at the hearts of the people, and Lord, that they will be propelled to go out and do something to make a difference, to join the battle. Father, I lift up by two other hosts to you, Lord God. Thank you for giving them traveling mercies, Letitia's family traveling mercies, and thank you for giving Melissa the right job that you have for her. Father, we love you and we bless you. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, <laughs> Obamacare and the shutdown. Obamacare, uh, I feel like, you know, this week I asked for a couple of friends on Facebook to, I just said I needed a meme uh, that shows the Princess Bride's scene with Count Rugen and sucking one year of your life away, because that's how I feel like Obama was. Obamacare, I mean. <laughs> Obama. Obamacare just sucked a year of your life away. How do you feel? Uh, so we're, we're talking about Obamacare and the shutdown. One of, uh, one of my media friends calls it a shutnado, but really I think it's been more like the government passing gas this week. At best, not impressive. At worst, offensive, and it stinks up a room. All non-essential federal services were supposed to be shut down until the House Republicans agreed to fully funding the Unaffordable Lack of Care and Patient Victimization Act as part of the continuing resolution to raise the government debt ceiling. Um, so uh, where, what, what part of any of this, Melissa, and Thomas, sounds sounds right to you? <laughs> uh, none of it. <laughs> none of it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really amazed that we've gotten to this point in in politics and in our our policy making up in Washington. I mean, yeah. if this is not a kind of political Greek hell, I I don't even yeah. know what to call it. 
Yeah, and, and, and at times when people um, distrust the system and, and our and our government, um, what a better way to um, throw flames on a fire. <laughs> right. Yep. I'm pretty sure if yep. we, we went fast forward 25 years into the future and looked back and and looked at the situation as it is, we would also, are, are, is, are people completely insane? Which set of three uh, un, non-negotiable circumstances are you going to work on that are all horrible? It's, it's really weird. Even Russia's president, I mean, this is the world we live in, even Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, is being considered for a Nobel Peace Prize for talking down our Nobel Peace Prize president from his warmongering stance against Syria. Hello? Wow. Are we, am I, I'm not, we're not living on Earth anymore. I'm starting to think that those fluoridated water conspiracy theorists have something there. That decades of drinking fluoridated water has lowered our IQs enough so that we think this craziness is just normal life. But we're really living in Greek hell. Maybe. Just. Maybe. <laughs> but, oh, but never fear. Never fear. Essential services are still being provided. And by essential, I mean the Obama administration says they're essential. Essential, like guards and barricades at national parks and open-air memorials. White House executive chefs and Michelle Obama's remaining personal assistants, plural. And, And let's not forget, let's not forget, HHS programs meant for sterilizing American Indians who are part of the Navajo Nation. Yes, that's right. You heard me right. CNS News reports that the Department of Health and Human Services has grants totaling $450,000 to provide birth control, including long-acting contraceptives and sterilization in the Navajo Nation's tribal lands. Hmm. I don't know if we're in a shutdown or not, but apparently this type of shutdown is essential. Let me see if I can find... Nope, I can't find the story. Well, apparently... uh, Let me scroll back and see if I can find it. Yes, here it is. All right, even though, uh, so they're going to launch uh, grant funding, grant funding for sterilization projects in the Navajo Nation. And, but what, even though the U.S. Census data shows that the population in the, among the Native Americans there shows the population declining nearly 4% between 2000 and 2010. The article goes on to say, priority will be given to Native American individuals from low-income families. Interestingly enough, most of the families in on tribal reservations are low-income. Successful applicants will include information in the application that clearly identifies the clinical services provided, including the specific methods of contraception to be offered at the grantee and or sub-recipient sites, said the department's solicitation for proposals to receive this grant money. In addition to program priorities, said the HHS, the following key issues have implications for Title X service projects, 
and should be considered in developing the project plan. Number one, efficacy and effectiveness in program management and operations, meaning uh, they want no rejection levels on this program. Number two, patient access to a broad range of contraceptive options, including long-acting reversible contraceptives, other pharmaceuticals, and laboratory tests. Under Title X, sterilizations can be offered in federally funded family planning programs on the mentally competent individuals over 21 years of age who sign a document giving their informed consent at least 30 days, but not more than 180 days before the procedure is performed. Uh, so if you are of childbearing age, you may elect to be sterilized under this program, under Title X. The Navajo Nation's population decreased 3.9% from 180,462 individuals in 2000 to 173,667 in 2010, according to the demographic analysis of the Navajo Nation. 2010 census data and 2010 American survey estimates. Well, what we have here is a revelation of priorities, it seems. World War II veterans can be barricaded from their own memorial, but the HHS is going to go forward Funding unlimited because of a shutdown, they still get their funds to exercise a sterilization, a broad based sterilization and contraceptive program to Native Americans, a population of the American populace that only comprises about 1.7%. They want that number to go lower. Very interesting. $450,000, big deal, you say. Well, if you aren't bothered by even $1 of your money being spent on the continuing and slow demise of not just one but several ethnic groups, maybe you'll appreciate that the shutdown is also shutting down NIH funding for cancer research and clinical drug trials. But that shutdown is giving... $455 million, yes, that's a thousand times more than for sterilizing Navajo Americans, to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. If you think those on the left are at all tearful and work to mitigate this, just ask Carrie Reed. All right. Someone did ask leading him to blurt out his now infamous, why would I want to do that line? I, I, you know, I swear, this is, that this is the most honest thing he, ever to come out of Harry Reid's mouth. Yes, and, and this is tracking completely with everything that has happened in history. Yes, population control and narrative control. All very necessary and very essential under the abortion administration. So I am very sorry, I'm very sorry, for children suffering from cancer today. But ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't realized it by now, and I'm supposed to play this clip. Uh -huh. oh. At last, it's the death star. 
This is the Emperor's fully armed and operational battle station. And sorry, I couldn't do the Palpatine invitation voice because I just I just couldn't do it. I tried, but I couldn't. It, it sounded weird, so I didn't do it. But the Death Star is fully armed and operational, and we're just finding this out. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a shutdown. It is a form of extortion. But we've been here before. Do you know when we've been here before? I lose my host. <laughs> All right. We have been here before. Last time, when the president threatened that seniors would not get their Social Security checks if Congress didn't approve of the last debt ceiling hike. Sequestration. <clears throat> this president has used people. Used people as human shields as a way of extorting our politicians into getting what he wants 100%. And he's still doing it. I hear, okay, I hear people, conservative Americans even, dismiss pro-life issues such as we talk about on this show as being irrelevant to the economics and policies that are, quote, unquote, really important to America. Uh, Yeah. Um, Please, please, listen to me, please. I'm begging you to wake up and realize that we are swimming in those issues every day. When we talk about economics and policy, there is no separating what has been intertwined in public policy for these many years. President Obama was willing to use our senior citizens on Social Security as pawns in his political schemes then. Now, his administration is halting research for cancer patients in favor of funding government media mouthpieces and moving forward with funding for birth control and sterilization for already diminishing peoples. And for what? To bankroll a health care system that is designed not to make sure everyone can get congressional-style coverage. You know, that claim was a joke from the beginning. But to be able to select out those who the elites think is worthy of receiving care, just like they do in Canada and Europe. You know, in in Belgium, in fact, they limit access to certain kinds of life-saving drugs and medical treatments, but they fully fund assisted suicide. Don't think... Obamacare won't do the same. Instead of funding life-saving measures, Obamacare instead will fund abortion. Isn't it nice to know that Grandma, who might not be able to get an operation to save her life, can get subsidized $9 a month birth control pills and all the abortions she wants? Fabulous. And I... I'm going to keep saying it until it sinks in. If what is considered just a social issue is not worth the time to seriously discuss, then why did a liberal Democrat like Wendy Davis spend 11 hours filibustering on the Texas Senate floor? 
Why did she wear a freaking catheter? You know, those things are as painful as childbirth, I tell you, because I had one when I was giving birth. And let me tell you, it's the say I could have given birth again, I felt like. So I'm so talking about it, hmm? Makes you uncomfortable. Right? Does it make you want to insert a catheter into your urinary tract to avoid it? Because Wendy Davis wore one for eleven hours so that she could shut down a bill without limiting oh uh, shut down a bill about limiting abortion. Don't tell me this is a sideline issue, because it sure isn't one for the left. Obamacare proves it. The shutdown proves it. All conservatives need to come to grips with this fact. It would be a relief for me, it would, to talk about abortion as a social issue only one day. The day when we stop making it legal, that's the day. So then I can say, well, at least it's not legal. But that day hasn't come. Phone lines are open. The number to call in is 760-542-3907. If you have a question for any of the hosts or our upcoming guests, um, Thomas, you have yes, anything to please. say about um, what's been going on? I know you wanted to mention about the the poor woman that was killed in Washington, D.C. just yesterday. Yeah, just something about that is just <clears throat> just something about that whole thing did not pass the P test, if you will. And she may have been wrong for um ramming the barrier. She still didn't deserve to die and there's other things that they could have done. And uh, I look at it like this. I read something on Facebook today, and it said this. It only takes 3% of a population to stand up to take its nation back. But it's like, we see right before our very eyes things that only happened in communist nations. Hmm. And wrong as she may have been, she did not deserve to die like that. I, 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 I find it kind of ironic that um, in the hours that our um, four American citizens were getting attacked in Benghazi, our, well, the president and his administration was watching the battle in real time. Their life, their life wasn't worth, the life of, the life of those Muslim terrorists was more important to spare than the life of someone who wasn't a terrorist, who really didn't pose a threat. And it goes back to it goes back to the issue 
how his stance on the Infants Born Alive Act that he voted against twice. Mm-hmm. He would rather see a baby that survives an abortion squirming, left to die in pain, than to offer to give it, give him or her help. And all I got to say to that is this. To all those on the left who drink in the Kool-Aid of abortion and the support, I pray before you reach your day of eternity that you will come to truly know the truth because I'm going to tell you something. You will find out that all the pleasures that you partook of, all the wallowing and all that power that you think you have, you're going to find out immediately uh-oh, that wasn't worth what I'm about to endure. Because in eternity, absent from the one true God is not anything that you can even begin to imagine. And that is my 411. <laughs> Thank you, and and, and it's, it, you know we 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 deal with these situations. We deal with those who support such pro-death positions, such as our president. And I want to make sure that we're very clear in saying that we do we want in the best possible world for those persons, especially our president, the leader of the free world, to change his mind. It can happen. We've seen other leaders be open-minded to changing their minds on things. And it may be a process. But right now, uh, what we have is a president that clings very tightly to his, to his guns and his religion, ironically enough, while asking all of us in America to lay down our beliefs and to just adopt him. I mean, that's that's his definition of bipartisan. I mean, that's really what it, what it is. But that's not really what bipartisan means, and it doesn't really mean it doesn't really mean what uh, it doesn't really mean what he thinks it means. So we want people to change their minds, and that's what our show is about: educating and informing and persuading people to change their minds about certain issues that have to do with life and death. And not just life and death, but the view of the human person as fully human for everyone and not just a select group that somebody else determined right. was either worth worthwhile or not worthwhile in this life. That when we mean equal rights, we mean that fundamentally we come from a place where we are equal in worth and in intrinsic value as human beings. What happens to us, to our bodies and, you know, to our minds, how we are born, what circumstances is not relevant to our fundamental human nature, fundamental humanness. You know, I just read a story 
earlier today about a mom who gave birth to her her third child, and she said she doesn't remember anything that happened after that. I think she completely went into a coma or something. And when she woke up, it was several months later, and she had had her arms and legs amputated. And when she woke up, she's like, what happened to me? I have no limbs. And her husband had to explain to her that after she had given birth, she had such an aggressive staph infection that spread so fast through her extremities that she had to be taken to the hospital. She was she was giving birth at home. She had to be taken to the hospital, and they ended up having to amputate her limbs because of the infection. It was spreading so fast, and it was so aggressive. Right. And there's a moment in that story. This is a news story. I think it was a local news story. There's a moment in that story where the husband <clears throat> said to her, I... I made this decision to save her life, and I wasn't sure if she would forgive me. And that about broke me. I mean, I was in tears after that. I was, like, reaching for the Kleenex. It's sad we, as a society today, because this is endemic. If, if If families have to think about this, if husbands have to think about whether or not their spouse is going to forgive them for saving her life over letting her die of a of a staph infection of, that would have killed her if they didn't amputate. Where have right. we gone? I mean, I thank God he did the right thing. She thanks God that he did the right thing. They are still together. They're still a family. They're going to learn how to live without her having the use of her arms and legs. But they, but their three children still have two parents. She is able to see her children, her child that she gave birth to. Her husband still has his best friend, who is the wife. And I thought, isn't that just the affirmation of life that should be? It should be this way. No spouse should have to be concerned whether or not a husband or a wife is going to forgive them for saving their life. And where have we gotten in this, at, to this point in our society where we have to think about that? If a life without limbs, oddly enough, that's a phrase that we're going to hear more of, if a life without limbs it is mm-hmm. the question is 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 life worth living if you are worth living without limbs? And there's a lot of people in this country today that will tell you no. If you don't have use of your limbs, if you are impaired in any way that that makes you feel like you are not a complete human being, you should have the right to die. Or your family who feels like you should have use of your limbs or your life isn't worth living because you can't live it with all your parts that you were born with, can elect to help you die and and eliminate you from this earth because that is so much better than if you were to go on living. 
That type of thinking is pervading our society. And I kid you not, it is in the philosophy underpinning Obamacare. Yep. And I'm not being extreme about that. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get back to our um let's get back to the show. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm going to Let's take a break, and uh, we'll, on the other side of the break, we're going to be back with our guest, Lynn Mills from Detroit. Thank you very much. Uh, here we go. This brand new night that I have in you has been the open door to peace and joy and happiness. The things there is so much more. Oh, break down their natural modesty, separate them from their parents and their values, and become the sex expert in their life so they turn to us. When we would give them a low-dose birth control pill they would get pregnant on or a defective condom. Our goal was three to five abortions from every girl between the ages of 13 and 18. The multitudes of people that have been hurt by abortion, it's just unfathomable. That abortion is really, to me, the ultimate exploitation of women. It is so shameful and secretive that many women don't tell anybody that they've had an abortion. They won't say anything for 20, 30, 40, 55 years. They're so traumatized. Silence. The U.S. Senate report states, Physicians, biologists, and other scientists agree that conception marks the beginning of the life of a human being, a being that is alive and is a member of the human species. There is an overwhelming agreement on this point in countless medical, biological, and scientific writings. Planned Parenthood is expanding now. They're building gigantic abortion clinics in anticipation of socialized medicine. There's a lot of money involved. We never would take personal checks. We always encourage the ladies to bring cash. Why is that? So, a lot you don't have to report cash, friend. When you're fighting for your life, you need to know what you're fighting for. And if what you're fighting for is life, how do you destroy a life in an effort to fight that fight? I'm fighting so hard to save myself that I'll kill someone else to get that. 
I recognized I'd been involved in the death of 35,000 babies. And the truth has really come out about what abortion does to women, let alone the unborn baby, our dead babies. It will be over. And this blows my mic. Welcome back to Pro Life Fridays Radio. Our phone lines are open. The number is 760-542-3907. If you have a question for either of the, the either the hosts, myself, Thomas and Melissa, or we have our wonderful guest on now. Um, let me give you a short, quick intro. Lynn Mills uh, was the person that I read about um, just yesterday, and I told Thomas we really need to get her on the program because what she is talking about in that's happening with a this particular abortionist in Detroit needs to be told. And we had a great conversation yesterday, and she told us all this news. This is Lynn Mills from Detroit, Pro-Life Detroit. And, Lynn, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for being on our program. Sorry. Hi, Thomas. And I know Melissa's back there somewhere. Hi, Melissa. Um, Welcome, Lynn. Thanks for being here. Um, so what prompted me to try to look for you and, and to get you on air today was the story about the the second patient, I think, in, in so many months, you can tell us what the time frame is, that was sent to the hospital from a Detroit abortion facility. And yes. what you found out, what you found out about this facility and the owner or the chief abortionist at this facility, and I don't think anybody knows what's going on with this place, but please, please tell us, and don't leave out any names or dates or details. Well, I'm going to leave certain things out because litigation. I don't. You know, sure. What I'm going to well, present not, to nothing, you. Nothing identifiable, but we're talking mainly about uh, the parties responsible. Right. There is an abortionist. His name is Reginald Dennis Sharp, and he's been doing his grizzly trade in the area of greater Detroit since about 1988. I don't have his license in front of me. He graduated from um, Michigan State University, and I think he just started off doing abortions, and he went bankrupt morally and corruptly uh, financially this past a year ago October he what brought him to the edge of bankruptcy is a very expensive divorce an abortion death at another abortion facility called Northland P- Family Planning the poor woman there eventually died i the they misdiagnosed an atopic pregnancy. One thing led to another. The ab- operator of that abortion mill doesn't let anybody win, and so Reginald Sharp got dragged along in the litigation. The poor family got dragged down, too, and the mother eventually died. She didn't die right away. She wasn't taken out in an ambulance. 
but that cost Reginald Sharp dearly to defend himself. He also had a very lengthy divorce going on. I mean, the file, they'd have to bring it out on a gurney itself. And his wife had a personal protection order against him. We had a notorious murder here in the area where a man took his wife and chopped her up into pieces and spread her all over the place. And Reginald Sharp, this is all public documents. I'm not saying anything that we don't freely pass out at the abortion mill. Here's the PPO. This is what he threatened to do to his wife. He threatened to chop his wife up like um, Mr. Grant chopped up Tara Grant. I mean, it's the man is... Yes, I, I can send you those documents too. I don't know if you've got the other documents I sent you, we, but we, I did life see a lot goes. Of those okay, life goes on. Or in in the case of Reginald Sharp, death continues at his abortion mills. He has three of them. He lost his CLIA license. That is the license that allows you to do laboratory tests in your clinics. For some reason, he lost one in his Bloomfield Hills clinic. He had to shut that down. And he had everything going on in Livonia and his Detroit clinic. Well, for some reason, he wasn't doing his IRS reporting. He wasn't paying his taxes. Give me some wiggle room here for about 10 years. And according to the bankruptcy report, owed about $500,000 to them. And in open court, there was an audio clip I found. It's He said he blamed it on his part-time clerical staff. Can you believe that? You're a doctor, and you're, you're handing off your IRS reports, your IRS filings, to part-time clerical staff? But let me back up a minute here, and at any time feel free to stop me because I know I can talk and talk. It was the first Friday. Talk about first Fridays in Lent. And I recommend everybody out there do this. If you have an abortionist in your neighborhood, in your town, in your state, if you're lucky enough to have only one abortion mill in your state, get the name of your abortionist and put their name into Google and put in bankruptcy because that's what I did on that Friday when I was bored. I put in Reginald Sharp and bankruptcy and up came his bankruptcy filing, and it was like um, a lottery machine going ding, 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 and all this information came up, the lawsuits, who he owed the money to, his, I already knew about his wife's divorce, but his, uh, just everything. When you file for bankruptcy, everything's exposed. And when I saw the estate of so-and-so, I knew he killed somebody, and these lawsuits were filed in 2011 and 2012 and when you kill somebody and you leave two minor children behind it's i just think he threw in the towel and then owing the irs half a million dollars well we got busy and we were out there this we're talking about a man whose Livonia Abortion Clinic, and I'm not going to point a finger, I'm just going to ask questions, burnt down in March or April of 2005 when he abandoned a patient in labor due to a third trimester abortion. 
Hmm. When that happened, they suspended him immediately. Within three to five days of that suspension, his abortion mill burns down and all of the medical files burned down, and yet no charges were filed on that account. So then let's fast forward to March 1st or 2nd of this year, and we're outside, and I'm watching his every mood to the best of my ability, and we get word from my good friend Christine. I says, call, call, you've got to call and see if they're going to be open. And she called back and said, no, they're closed for good. We were out there when this happened. When we got word he's closed for good, he's going to be going over to the summit, he's going to be a contract worker. That's what he does there. He he doesn't own it, he doesn't run it, he's the contract abortionist. But here again, at this same Livonia abortion clinic. The one that burned? The one that burned. He left the okay. doors unsecured. How do you walk away from your clinic with all of your things in there and it's unsecured? I just printed off the paperwork that I'm going to be handing over to a judge on Monday because the files were in there. There's a big fight going on over the files. His trustee wants to destroy 10,000 medical files of women He's performed abortions on because he doesn't want to store them for seven years as protocol. He just mm. wants to just he wants to put a notice in the local Detroit newspaper saying, if you were a patient of Dr. Reginald Sharp of Sharp's Family Planning or Women's Advisory Center, you have one year to come and get this. Now, come on, how often right. do you look in the want ads of your paper? for things like that. But legally, that could be done. But this very wise judge in the bankruptcy court said, wait a minute, I'm inclined to not grant that request because these women, and I'm going to use a little, I'm going to take some liberty here, have should have recourse to their files. Now, the trustee got up and tried saying, but these files are in such bad shape, you know, they don't have, a, sometimes they only have a social security number. No, no, no. I'm informing the judge that in this state, we have informed consent. Every file should have the woman's name, some information, and her signature there. Plus, you have to have a form of picture ID that includes your driver's license and your address. That has to be there because you have to prove, no matter how old you are, I'm in my 50s, and if I went in there for an abortion, they just don't look at me and go, okay, you're not 18 or younger. You have to have that picture ID attached to the file. Now, the trustee was saying, because Sharp wasn't there, that there's nothing in these files. Well, if there's nothing in the files... I think these are criminal abortions he did. Maybe he did them according to the law, but not according to the extreme legalism of the law. Why do you think they have the law in the first place? You're supposed Mm -hmm. to be able to prove these women were over 18 or they had the judicial bypass or they were of legal age or had somebody there with them. So you performed 10,000 abortions 
and you can't prove these women were all over the age of 18, there has to be something there. And so this, have you have you seen um, any of these? I mean, were they presented in court, or are they in storage? Are they accessible? They're, they're the in judge? storage with the trust. They're in storage with the trustee, and the judge ordered Reginald Sharp himself, not anybody else, to go through and organize these files. Now, in the meantime, the mm. the trustee had made reference to his wife was trying to help him. I don't know. If he's friendly with the wife he tried to kill, like Tara Grant, I don't know if he has a new wife, but wouldn't that be violating HIPAA laws to have right. other part-time people who weren't part of Sharp's Family Planning or Women's Advisory Center in there organizing these? Right. Oh, and yeah. maybe that's... I mean, is that why the judge ordered Reginald Sharp himself? He didn't say nobody else. He says, I want Reginald Sharp to do it. And I love it when they don't call him Dr. Sharp anymore. They call him Debtor Sharp because that's what he is. He's a debtor in bankruptcy court. And then I could go on and tell you about the other lawsuits he has, how he killed a woman, how he he went up there as he – he he didn't even uh, it it just it frustrates me so much. Well, let's let's back up just a moment. Okay. When, when we started talking about Reginald Sharp, I mean, what brought him to attention was um, that he had sent another woman to the hospital at mm-hmm. at the at the clinic he works at now. Yes, is, well, two of them that we know of. Okay, so he works at two clinics now. A pro, a no, I mean two case. women that we know of he sent to the oh, hospital. I'm sorry. Two I'm sorry. Two women. What we're talking about the clinic that burned down before and the one that had that he abandoned was one that he owned previously to the one he's working at now. Right. He had owned three. Okay. He he Okay. He closed one and then he went bankrupt on the other two. And then when that happened Right. And then before he he gave up back to the bank, the other two abortion mills, he got a job as a contract worker at Summit in Detroit. And that's where in March an ambulance came, and this past Wednesday an ambulance came again. While he was the doctor on duty. That's right. And I just got off of the phone with the man and we have been talking several times these past few days, and we believe some HIPAA violations were being violated again. And, you know, we're we're talking strategies about okay. contacting those involved with HIPAA, although we've never had any success with HIPAA. And today, my partner, my friend, already submitted the pictures that were taken the other day. I think you saw those pictures, didn't you? Right, right. Of the, a lot of them were published by Operation Rescue, too. Right. We sent them to the state of Michigan to add on to the uh, complaint I filed against Reginald Sharp with everything he's done, or most everything, back in early April, and it's still under investigation This man needs to be stopped. But in the meantime, they don't suspend his license. 
they don't do anything, and he can continue practicing while they investigate. So more women continue to be injured. Right. And this woman, Tell- and we're we're not medical professionals, but two days ago the man who saw the woman come out said she was seizing. Now, if I can just read to you for a moment, there was a woman who died in 2008, and it says right here that she had no history of seizures, and what they failed to do was inform them of her seizure activity. That is probably what prompted them to call 911, is that the woman had started seizing, but they said the abortion hadn't started. But the abortion had started. They lied. And I have had a relationship with the family. They gave me her obituary, her picture. I met her children. There's a long legal battle going on. They're trying desperately to keep the dead woman's children within their family, the grief when I talked to the dead woman's mother, all she could do was cry. Her children are with her sister, with the aunt, and the boy is delightful. Her daughter is just rebellious. I was there when the social worker came in. It's extremely sad on so many levels. Mm-hmm. So many levels. It, I wish you okay. could sit here and look at the picture of this woman who died with me. And my heart breaks every time I see it. But I keep it next to my bed so I can be strong and keep fighting for her. And I have promised the family that I'm not going to stop until he stopped. Well, amen. Um Let's back up and tell us tell us about the lawsuits. We well, there are three the of them. <laughs> there are three of them. You want to hear about the poor dead woman? Uh, yes, go in sequence of um, how these lawsuits kind of coordinate with the fact that he had to close down two of his two of his clinics. Well, it oh, seems that they were all filed very closely together, and. Uh, he had no malpractice insurance. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but a lot of these guys don't have malpractice insurance. Maybe that came from the, the lawsuit of Karen Ark, who has since passed away, and I pray for that family every day. God bless them. But this woman, and let's just call, let's give her, her name's Chloe. I won't say her last name. She was 26. She had two children, and she was almost 16 weeks pregnant. And we come to find out that this was her second abortion. She had a baby that was maybe six months old at the time, and she had been there before for another abortion, and she had reacted poorly to the IV sedation, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't noted in anything. And he started the IV, and he started the abortion, and he perforated her uterus. And I had to look this up. He lacerated, let me see, he had 
performed on her a liver laceration. Do you know how high up your liver is? It is it's pretty high up, and she's back. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, you're women, except for Thomas over there. Um, how yes, do yes, you... Yeah, <laughs> How do you, when you're dilating somebody, and I think that's that's how far he was into the lawsuit because I don't know everything. I don't have um, access to all of her medical records. I do have her autopsy report, and I did see pictures of her. The family showed me pictures mm-hmm. of her. She was in a coma for eight days. Her family sat next to her bedside for eight days while this was going on. How do you... Um, how do you lacerate the liver while you're doing an abortion? You don't have to go that far up. Right. And see, these are questions he's never going to have to answer now because mm-hmm. it's not going to go to trial. They've thrown these lawsuits out because he's judgment-proof, but along comes Lynn. No, that, the, okay, and, he's judgment-proof because... He, they accepted the bankruptcy. Because he has he to pay back for the bankruptcy. right. He has to pay okay. back the IRS. Everyone has to pay back the IRS. You know, the only things certain in life are what death and taxes. Um, but you can get out of your lawsuits by doing this. My goodness. And, and then you can try and have all of your medical files burnt. Now, granted, none of us here like abortion at all, but these women. Let's say somebody who had an abortion last year may have trouble conceiving. Doesn't she have the right to go back and get her medical file from Sharp? She may not be able to sue him, but could mm-hmm. there not be something in that medical file that could help a doctor cure her or help her? She's Possible. a human being. She's a human being, and yes, she made a mistake. She has the right to have her files back. But no, they want them destroyed. What are they hiding? And it all goes back to, have criminal things been done? I- I'm not pointing a finger. I'm asking a question. Mm-hmm. Because right. look at these other things. He was doing an abortion in his Livonia abortion mill. And I'm not going to say her name because it's a, a very unique name. And he he sent her to the hospital. He left the baby's head in her womb. He couldn't get it oh, out. She was, um, I think, 19 weeks along. Oh, and then there was another one where he did a transvaginal ultrasound and a normal ultrasound, and they says, well, we can barely see the baby. We're going to do the abortion. It turned out it was an atopic pregnancy that ruptured. And this woman mm. kept coming back to him saying, I feel pain, I feel pain. And she eventually, when the atopic pregnancy ruptured, you know, passed out and hit her head in the hospital. These women will get nothing for their pain and suffering or his lack of being any kind of physician. Goodness. So, you know, this is why every step of the way I'm watching the bankruptcy process, I'm watching right. what he's doing. I'm writing reports. Um, he he formed a new corporation, the Medical Offices of, Reg, of RDS, 
And my brilliant partner said, don't you have to pay taxes in Detroit? Well, guess what was glowingly missing from all of his bankruptcy filings? He never paid taxes in Detroit. He admits that he didn't pay um, Michigan taxes, the, the IRS taxes, all these other taxes. But it's like Detroit's the punching bag for everybody. So here I am running up another report advising Detroit that there's a newly formed corporation and from the $23,000 he gets a month for killing babies as a contract abortionist at the summit, he owes Detroit at least $400 alone on the corporation fees. This doesn't even have anything to do with what he owes the city of Detroit for his killing baby taxes, for his, his right. income. Right, right. This is Thomas. Hi, this Thomas. Is Thomas. Let, me, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. How much did you say he made again? 23000 a month right now as a contract abortionist at the Summit Women's Medical Center in Detroit. Okay. Now, my set... My second part of the question, because I was, I'm wanting to make sure I heard this right. I know I heard this right, but I want to make sure I heard this right. Because of the fact that he came through bankruptcy, he's he's untouchable by by these women, and they have no recourse at all. Is that what you're saying? That's right. These women and the estate of this woman. Well, Letitia, yeah. Melissa, um, this we if it's the last thing we do and every limited resource that we have, it's everything that we can do, we're gonna bring this individual down because if they can't get justice one way, we'll make sure that he is exposed for um I will be nice, right. Letitia, like that's me too. I'm not going to say what I want to say, but um, this is one case that justifies us bringing out every type of resource that we can to bring him down because, first of all, he's eliminating his own community. He's so money-hungry and full of hatred that he don't he don't care about the women. He He has no respect for black women. And we haven't, haven't mentioned on air yet the fact that he is a, a an abortionist who happens to be a black man. Uh, I mentioned it on on our description, but we hadn't said anything about it on air. But um, I wanted I want Lynn to tell us this isn't all. This isn't all. Because ahead, you talked to us about a lot more on the phone yesterday. That not all. Okay, so that he has lawsuits that cannot be that have to be thrown out because he filed for bankruptcy because he has uh, all these and these records that are out there uh he wants to destroy and not only that did you mention to me that he is not licensed that his the clinic he's not he licensed properly he does not have a drug control location license in this area and that also was brought to the that was sent sent off today to the state of Michigan in the amended um, complaint, along with the pictures that were taken here locally on Wednesday. And 
you know, the list goes on. He's. Uh, um. Oh, I was also. Right, I right. think I was telling Thomas earlier. They put his things up for bid. There was an auction, and I tried to get. At first, it started because I wanted the trustee to donate his suction machines. Everything was confiscated, and I wanted his suction machines because I don't trust him. I don't trust him to not set up a side abortion mill somewhere and do things on the side. Well, when I asked those to be donated to me, the trustee decided he'd have an auction, and they took everything that wasn't junk, and there I guess there was plenty of junk, I got into a bidding war, and they just frankly outbid me. I have no money. I have no funding. There were some people who were going to donate some money to me. But tell me, who wants to buy used abortion suction machines? I can't that fathom that. Very, very good question. Did so what I was... purchased it? They wouldn't tell me. We even tried to um, FOIA at FOIA it. And they wouldn't come back with the information. But they paid a pretty penny for used suction machines when you could almost go out and get the same thing new. Now, again, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm asking questions. What I was able to get were the forceps and the dilators. That, that were in Sharp's office, these grisly tools of mass destruction. And they're in my garage. They're they're gross. I think you guys have pictures of some of these things up on your website. If you've looked at them lately. Uh, right. Uh, if, they, if you sent them to me via email, I did not post them. Uh, but no, I, I saw something you guys had there yourselves, I thought, in your abortion uh, no, I did not post any. I don't have any pictures up of, of okay. anything like that. Okay. Um, well, these are very nasty. They're they're what you use to pull the body parts out with. These could have been used on these three lawsuits here. I don't know, but I think mm-hmm. if sidewalk counselors want to get a hold of me, these things could be powerful weapons to use doing sidewalk counseling. Now, it would take a certain kind of person to do this kind of sidewalk right. counseling. They're very gross. They're very gruesome. And, I mean, these tools have actually been used to dilate, to cut up, and to pull body parts out of women. Right. So so, so let's, let's get back to this particular abortionist is not only is he in legal trouble already, he continues to perform abortions. He he has outstanding lawsuits that cannot be uh cannot be continued. He's filed for bankruptcy, he's closed two clinics and he's working at a clinic now as a contract but he himself does not have all the licenses necessary um that That's he right. should. And That's right. <laughs> And, and so, you ready for how this? is it possible? How is it possible that he can continue to perform abortions without this necessary licensure? I don't know. I wish the state of Michigan would get off of whatever they're on, you know, and get busy 
and do something about it. People can write the state of Michigan. They can say, why is he? I would just write the attorney general's office if anybody cares. You don't have it, you know. You know, Attorney General, State of Michigan, why is Reginald Sharp still in business? And they'll forward it to the right people because their address is really way too long for me to put out there for you. And maybe the, the Attorney General would do something. But it needs to be done because while they're investigating, and I do believe they're investigating him, he continues to, to rake mayhem. On people, right. um, and uh, we're, amazingly enough, we're not done with we're not done. There's more to the story, isn't there? Um, that you mentioned on the phone yesterday. Uh, he is the is is the the facility that he's working at that he's performing abortions at also uh, in not correct with the law. We're working on that. Um, okay. We're, we don't think they're correct, but I'd rather not go too far with that on the air. Uh, okay. They're a, a clinic that is a national chain, and I'm not as ready to give out all of our secrets in regards to that right now. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're we, under we suspicion. Have, Go ahead. We, we do have our friend Parker Cole on the line uh, who called in, and she yes. actually is um, in the D- Detroit area and um, had some thoughts um, that she may want to share with us as well. Um, we've had her on the show before, and she's a excellent pro-life activist um, through her writing of novels. And um, uh, Parker, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, welcome to the show. Hey, Parker, welcome again. to the show. Thank you, guys, so much. It's good to be talking to you again. And, Lynn, it's uh, great to hear you. I am a citizen of the wonderful city of Detroit. I love uh, Detroit. Oh, yeah. and I, Well, I should say I'm two miles away from Detroit, so I'm like two miles away. So I'm not in the city of Detroit, but I consider myself a Detroiter because I grew up in Detroit all my life. And I know exactly where the facility you are talking about is located at. And mm-hmm. just listening to some of the things, and I did not know. I honestly did not know all this was going on. And I think it's because I just got kind of, you know, get busy. And I want to see what I can do to help to at least expose this gentleman, I say, oh, that would be wonderful. to his practices. And so um, maybe we can connect offline, I mean, off oh, the Oh, that air would be great. And, um, you know, because this is horrific. And like when you mentioned about the liver, I don't, like you said, I don't know how. What what was he doing? I, I don't have a I don't have a clue. It's a horror story. And um, you know, um, I want to hopefully we can connect offline. I mean, off the air, and see if I can uh, get a couple of churches involved to do something um, to at least expose this man. If we can't to just start exposing this man, so people need to know. Because after the trial with. Right. Um, Gosnell, with the, with the hor- horrific stuff, people are, right. need to wake up to what's going on. And this is just that's another right. Gosnell that's getting away with it. We all have mm-hmm. a Gosnell. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. More than one. And, More but, than one. Tell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I'm just saying, uh, Thomas, I didn't know. have your number? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, um, um, yeah Thomas has let's, it. Let's uh, arrange all that information off air. I want to use our time to continue 
um, thank you for thank you, Parker, for calling in. You can stay on the line and ask a question from of our guest um, in a minute. I wanted to continue and um, share and ask Lynn to share one more thing. I know you can't talk anymore about the the clinic that he's working at now, but the reason why we asked you, I particularly wanted you to share this information, is because in the wake of the Gosnell trial to let people know that the Gosnell style of abortion is a very present reality in most of our cities which have abortion clinics here. This is a reality. This is not an isolated incident. This is not one or two men somewhere in this country or women practicing horrific abortion practices. This is widespread. Yes. And and he is not alone. No. Reginald Sharp is not alone. But we need people from the inside letting us know exactly what's going on. The only way things come out is through the garbage or through lawsuits. Or if you're lucky enough and your abortionist files bankruptcy and you keep on the paper trail and you keep following them to court and you keep writing the letters and you get the evidence and for people like me who are jaded and said, okay, the state's never going to do anything, you don't give up. There's another abortionist who a year and a half ago tried to hit me with his car twice. Mm-hmm. And even I had my iPhone going. I had it sticking right out there. I was on the side of the road. He tried to hit me. He was, what, he didn't see me videotaping? And I went straight to the Livonia Police Department, and they looked at it, and they said, well, that looks like um, assault to me. They arrested him. He was brought before the judge. This took at least six times that during, I don't know how many months, that he had to not be killing children. It was worth the effort. It took time and money out of his pocket. He had to put up a $5,000 bail. It's time we pro-lifers got a little proactive and stopped being the victims, along with the mothers and the babies, outside of these abortion mills where they love to throw PPOs and lawsuits at us. And when they do something to us, we get the evidence. We must have cameras out there. We must be filming them because we all know they do things to us and so why I didn't file a complaint with the state against him last year, I don't know. It must just be God's timing and God saying, okay, Lynn, now it's time. I'm putting this idea in your head. Do it. I filed a complaint on him because his licensing is way out of order, and there are seven drug charges against Theodore Rommel. He has open okay. formal complaints against him. Right. Seven. So this is a second. This is a. This is okay. Now we're not. We're, I mean, track with you here. We're no longer talking about Russell Sharp. This is Theodore Rommel, another right. abortionist. Right. Right. Yes. Who is now facing drug charges? Well, seven counts of drug charges from the pharmacy board of the state of Michigan. It was my first attempt. I I scored on the first attempt. I studied the laws, and I'm just 
a simple homemaker, pro-life activist turned pro-life investigator. And I, as I'm looking at these things, I noticed a pattern. And I thought, and I talked to people, and they, you know, everybody was afraid. Well, you can't be afraid. What are you afraid of, being told no by the state of Michigan? Well, if that's the worst rejection I'm ever going to get, okay, let the state of Michigan tell me no. And so I've taken that and I've gone with that to the de- uh, the DEA, the Department of Drug Inform. I don't know what DEA stands for, but I advise them that Theodore Rommel has seven counts of drug charges against him. I might be getting the terminology there a little mixed up. I apologize for that. And that they need to look into him. Now, that may fall on deaf ears. It may not. But I tried to be as complete and as thorough as I can be. And if there are people who have little kids at home who are homeschooling, who can't do things, who can't be out at the abortion mill for whatever reason, they could start doing things like this from the comfort of their home. All of this is done through that the computer. That is a great point. That it is, is a great and it's like, point. So, and then, as I'm looking, there's another abortionist. His name is Lewis Twig. He operates out of Genesee County. And the Internet, another wonderful thing, I was looking on Genesee County one day. He's got a drunk driving charge against him that he pleaded guilty to. He's another one that doesn't have his licensing all in order. Just yesterday before Thomas called me, the state has accepted the complaint I filed against Lewis Twig, and they're going to be looking into Lewis's, well, my complaint. So, wow. And he's so, another one that travels between Saginaw and Flint, and God knows where else he goes. I, you know, I can't, some days I just can't keep up. I need a map that, right. that mo- many- is mobile. <laughs> How many abortion clinics total are we talking about in the area that you are looking at? Well, in greater, there's 28 left in the state. There used to be 78. We're down to 28. So I basically stay in the greater Detroit area. That's um, three counties, but I'll look at Flint. I'll look at Saginaw, and I'll be in the Ann Arbor area, too. But my main concern is the Tri-County area, what I call Greater Detroit, and Parker would understand that. And for Mm -hmm. as big as Detroit is, we only have four abortion mills in our city, just four. And one of them is a pill-only abortion mill, and that's the Planned Parenthood in downtown and these abortion mills are just on the outskirts. They're, they're not deep into the city. And things may be changing because we did put in some new laws, and eight abortion mills did close since December. But I, right, they right. closed Amen. basically, they, yes, but they closed out of fear. But what happens with that is that these other mills who are more inclined to go along with proper licensing are just becoming stronger and they're building mm-hmm. fortresses and it's going to be harder to talk to the women so pro-lifers are going to have to network more share information and do better educating along the way and another thing since it's coming into my head 
we all have to work together. We all don't do the same things. God hasn't Amen. given us all the same talents. And I have a great group out there. I don't do this by myself. I have a great team. None of us get paid. And when I get information on Theodore Rommel, see, there's the greater Detroit area, but Theodore Rommel's on the outskirts. He's he's going to the counties that are outside of the greater Detroit area, and I try desperately when I get information on him to share it with the abortion mills on the the outer boundaries and keep everybody informed so we can all work more efficiently with everybody. We can't do this by ourselves. And if anybody thinks they're an island and they don't need anybody and, hey, look what I did all by myself, you know, God help them too. I I totally agree with that. Um, So I want you to stay. Excuse me. I want you to stay on the line. I'm going to bring our other guest on. Um, He's a a very close associate of mine in the pro-life movement here in St. Louis. Might remember her name. She actually remembers yours. I think um, I saw her recently. (laughs) All right. um, And Mary on the line. Hello. How are you? Mary, welcome. Mary, welcome to Pro-Life Fridays Radio. Thank you. Hi, Mary. Um, Hi, how you doing, Lynn? I'm fine. Last time I saw you, we were having trouble getting a taxi cab, huh? (laughs) Yeah, we finally got one, though. (laughs) That's right. Right. So, hey, happy reunion to both of you. We haven't seen each other, I guess, in a little while. Uh, Mary, I would like you to tell us... um, now the situation in St. Louis, we have we don't have quite as many abortion clinics to to look after. In fact, there's only one surgical abortion clinic here in St. Louis left. But what has happened in in the last I would say over the last 18 to 24 months and your situation that you're looking at, Mary? Please tell us. Well, we we have um, the one abortion mill left. Um, when I began, there was eight abortion mills in St. Louis, and because of continual presence, as, as Lynn would know, um, they closed down for multiple of reasons. Uh, we got the license removed from a couple of doctors. But since last year, they brought on some new new abortionists from Barnes Hospital. And from November until January the 22nd of, of last year and this year, there was an ambulance there four different times. Uh, on one of the Saturdays, there was an ambulance there twice. And so wow. in recent days, we had an ambulance there on September the 10th and then one in August, the end of August. And so we requested the 911 tapes, and we were, we were denied, and then eventually um, they told me I had to have an attorney to request the tapes. So I had an attorney fill out a form and request the tapes, and I got um, the written 911 and it was probably a waste of my money because the 26 pages was not white paper, but mostly black. Mm. Everything, everything on it was blacked out. The name was blacked out, of course, and I, that, that's understandable. But the time they arrived, the time the call was made, um, even even the transport where they went was blacked out on some of the farms. Absolutely nothing, nothing that was, um, even the names of the uh, the EMTs that were on the ambulance were blacked out. Wow. 
And so um, um let's, let's back up and tell us how many how many incidents of of injured women have there been in the last couple of years at this planned parenthood in St. Louis? Like isn't well, this the 22nd well, in the, in as many months? Correct. And you know, there in one month there was there almost every other weekend and it's it, the fact that they have the one abortionist that comes in from Olin Park, Kansas, he's a second trimester abortionist. Um, mm. He is in his upper 70s, and he has killed four women here in the St. Louis location. Um, oh, dear. And one of the young ladies, he perforated the uterus and bowel and, and left her at, the, at the, the Planned Parenthood while he took a plane back because he had to catch his plane. Um, and so she was then transported to the hospital um, and went into surgery and repaired the damages he did. He doesn't. He doesn't have. You know. And, and this is a real gray area for us because my understanding is he doesn't have hospital privileges. But Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood has an understanding with Barnes, so they're they're kind of bedfellows there. Um, where they can bring their their botched abortions to Barnes, and so they do. Mm. Um, so I I don't quite understand that, and that has been something that I've been addressing with the legislators here forever. They're probably very tired of hearing from me. And some right. say, well, he has he he's on staff, but he's not active, and and so I you, you never get a really a straight answer. But the uh-huh. fact that they're the fact that they're using the Sunshine Law, they, they can't do that. We're entitled to have those tapes, and so right, we're looking right. into what, what legal recourse we can do. Even okay, though, so getting back to you know, the, getting back to the documentation, um, had you had not had any problem obtaining nine one one information before? No, I have not. This last time. No. And, and the thing is, when <clears throat> when a girl is injured, besides requesting the tapes. I send a, a letter to the Board of Healing Arts, the Health Department, the prosecuting attorney in St. Louis, um, and, and different additional, different officials, uh, requesting them for a full investigation. Um, of course, the prosecuting attorney in St. Louis probably ignores my paperwork because I never really respond from him or her. But the Board of Healing Arts, in the past, have investigated. And they have sent out investigators to talk with us, uh, but they always find insufficient evidence, and so they just put it in his file. Um, mm-hmm. This last time I sent on the four that were injured in November to January, I sent letters requesting and gave the dates, the times, the ambulance number, and <clears throat> the response now was that I have to have the patient's name. And we all know we're not going to get the patient's name because of HIPAA. And so right. they've now changed the rules where they won't, and the doctors are investigated by the Board of Healing Arts, not the patients. Who who changed the rules about releasing the 911 information? Because you fight, because um, you've never had this problem before, and now for the final time, this last time, you filed for the Freedom of Information Act to release this information, and what they gave you was pretty much unusable. Who changed all that information? And that, and the, on top of the fact that you can't obtain the actual call, I don't have that answer. I don't know who changed it. It, you know, um, I don't know. And you, you, okay. you're not, you're not getting, we're not getting a, 
a, a good answer from anybody. You know, they just said because okay. of, of the Sunshine Law, we're not allowed to have them. Right, right. Yes, you. Yes, you are. If you ask for it and per the law, you are supposed to obtain that information. And so that's very interesting. You know, I'm speculating that somewhere along the way, Planned Parenthood has a has a connection with somebody in the government and is making this uh, is being an obstructionist. Well, up until last year, one of the aldermen was on Planned Parenthood's board. Ah. One of the city one of the city aldermen. No. I mean, people are going to get off my case saying, you know, you're pointing fingers. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just looking for there is a there is a way for Planned Parenthood to get people in places of power here in St. Louis to do things for them. Um, oh, absolutely. So, you know, and if and if you were an, another another uh, person in requesting ambulance information, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that you would get that information. Mm-hmm. But when, mm-hmm. but when on, you're on dealing with Planned Parenthood, the, law, the rules change when it comes to Planned Parenthood. Right, um, and so they they have a they have a lot of cover up. That's an absolute, and you know even though ambulances have not always been there, patients are still being injured with Planned Parenthood. Um, they just aren't required to have an ambulance. Uh, we right. had a girl right. uh, last month that had a RU forty six abortion, and she came back. She was having some complications. Um, she went back in for them to check her out. And I guess in the course of her visit, uh, things got pretty heated up, and and according to her, the security guard uh, sexually assaulted her. And so mm-hmm. um, we are we're in the process of, of you know going through all of that and find out what 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 she has if she has a case. Um, another young lady was there just a week ago that wanted her are you for you? I mean her um, um, <laughs> having brain cramp. Removed, um, her IUD removed, and um, mm-hmm. that had been in for four years. I, and I'm not sure. I think, I think they suggest only two years to have that. But at any rate, she wanted it removed. There was not a nurse there to remove it, and I was the impression that a nurse had to be on staff there during abortions, and they were doing abortions during that time. Um, so she had to come back. On Monday, she went back in on Monday, and um, they can't remove it because it has attached to part of her wall. And oh, so they and gave the her an appointment. They, yeah, they gave her an appointment for the 17th of October to get it removed and send okay. her on her way. And she called us, and and evidently the pain is pretty intense at this point. And so she went to the emergency room to one of the area hospitals this afternoon, and I just spoke to her just a few minutes ago, and they won't remove it. They said she has to have it done as an outpatient, and and I, and this is only my my feeling, really? but I believe that I believe that the hospital won't do it because who put it in? And so oh. we are in con- we are in contact with our doctor to see if he can to intervene here because they just gave her pain pills. To take, oh you know, we're, we're looking at probably something very serious if this continues. Could she die that from this? Got to be. I believe she could because you know it when it's not placed in their right any longer when they messed with it, and so she, she's looking probably for infections. And I'm not a doctor, and I and I have no idea, but I would think that that it could it could be a serious problem for her. 
if it is it a horrible voice. It sounds like it certainly sounds like it could be a very serious problem for her. Well, goodness, Mary, I thank you for for um, sticking with these women who are they are in in any in some way, shape, or form, even if they don't go to Planned Parenthood or an abortion clinic for abortions, they are being injured nevertheless. Uh, through, oh, absolutely. And and you know my my point of having both of you women on today is that the public needs to know. So you know if you live. In the Detroit area, these are the abortion doctors you need to be aware of. These are, I shouldn't even say doctors, these are the abortionists that you need to know are there. They are preying on women. They have horrible practices to protect yourself and your loved ones. You need to know their names, where they're located, and to avoid them at all costs. And also in St. Louis to know that this Planned Parenthood is being run, the, the the abortionists that are there performing abortionists have a terrible track record with the health and safety of women. Absolutely. And, and this is this is for your information. This is for everybody's information. I do hope I asked um, I asked our friend uh, Dr. Phil Klein to listen in on this show, and he may be able to give. Um, you know his opinion about where to what kind of legal recourse both you and and Lynn and Mary have with your particular difficulties with the law and standing in the way of you obtaining the information that you need um I don't know I'm I'm not a lawyer at this point but I know that we need to ask them <laughs> and and I know that Dr. Klein has uh, agreed to listen in on the show so maybe he will be in touch with him soon uh but really this is the whole this is the whole point of getting this information out because you, all of us in this call know very well and everybody out in the audience, I know very well, you're not going to hear this information anywhere else unless you pay very close attention to our friends at Operation Rescue, Pro-Life America, or any of those very um, pro-life organizations that pay very close attention to what's actually happening on the ground with news that, that Lynn and Mary have provided for us. You're not going to hear it on CNN, ABC, NBC, CNBC, any of those. You you probably are not even going to hear it on Fox News. Not. But women are getting injured too frequently. One is too many, but this is happening way too frequently all over the country. And to save somebody's life, to stay away from these abortionists, certainly for the children that are dying, but also for the women who are being injured, to stay away from these women. Reginald Sharp, Theodore Rommel, have you got other names for me, Lynn? Oh, Angel Ojeda, Lewis Twig, um, Lisa Harris. Oh, she's horrible. Um U of M, as much as I love U of M football, they're growing abortionists there. Uh, there's an abortionist, Johnson. There's Jason Daniel Bell, uh, Laura Castleman, um, abortionist Hertz. We have a couple new ones, um, Catherine Dam, Aaron Hendricks, uh, Ruddick, who is an abortionist from Ohio. He closed down his Ohio abortion mills. And Northland Family Planning has hired him here. That's what I mean about the super abortion mills. They're getting more powerful. There's another Jennifer Krista Smith who works for them. 
Uh, Jacob Kahlo has decided that when he goes to Israel, he needs Reginald Sharp to uh, come take his place at his five-chain abortion mill. It's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much in my head. You know, I told my husband, save my brain if I die so somebody else can just get the stuff out of there. It's, it's, you know, it, but you see how I just was able to get all of this stuff out. There's so much right. going on. And there's this whole group that's about to retire, like Ramel and Twig and Hodari and Gerby retired about nine months ago. There are several that need to retire, as in Ramel. He's 78. He's got these drug charges from the State of Michigan Pharmaceutical Board, but he's fighting it. He's old. He's gray. And yet he's um, he's a circuit rider in the State of Michigan going from mill to mill to mill to mill. Why don't you just enjoy your life? Repent, quit, and be with your wife. But no, what makes them do this? over and over again every day, and he lied. He had a chance to come clean. He was interviewed by the state pharmaceutical investigator, and he only ponied up for two of the five abortion mills. I had to go back and write another letter, and I included the state attorney general and everyone who works for his office, and I said, come on. You know, quite frankly, I'm tired of doing their heavy lifting. Why aren't right. they investigating? Why well, is it a simple a, homemaker from Livonia? Right. It, uh, well, why is a question that we all like the answer to, and unfortunately I think we already know why. Uh, it has a lot to do with people wanting to drag their feet. And because this is an abortionist, if we're talking about a doctor was pra- practice, who didn't have malpractice insurance, who wasn't completely uh, properly licensed, this would, have, this would never be an issue. Um, and 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 just to be as i look at everything and everything becomes broader there are a lot of other bad people out there who don't kill abortions i found on the state of michigan that the the pharmacy pharma the pharmacists do a lot of bad things the social workers Mm -hmm. do a lot of bad things the nurses the chiropractors so i know we're not the only industry out there that needs policing. There's a there's a doctor in our fancy hoity-toity neighborhood of Birmingham who got three DUIs and she lost her license. So I get it that they're probably understaffed and there are a lot of bad people. But come on, these are the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And but they're still, but they're still in business. The worst of the worst is still in business, and that's what that's we right. need to be aware of. And people are just going to make themselves total victims if they have anything to do with these men and women, these abortionists, male and female doc, uh, abortionists. And so, um, Mary, do, do you do you ever find out the names of the abortionists that work at Planned Parenthood? I know you mentioned well, one. The one we have is Robert Christ. He's the, the main one. And then we have... Um, uh, several others that are coming from uh, Barnes Hospital. Uh, one is a woman, her name is McCollum, and then um, uh, there's a, a gentleman, but I'm, I'm more not, we don't have him identified as of yet. Um, so okay. they, have, they have a list, but the, the, the most of them was 
with Chris and then this new one, McCollum. She's a woman, and I think she's involved probably in some of the ambulances there. Okay. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much for the information that you have shared with us. Our time is running out very quickly, and I wanted to make sure that you got all the information that you wanted to get out on this program. Uh, certainly this is not going to be the last time I'm going to ask you for, for information because people do need to know. I mean, that's the bottom line here. The public needs to know exactly Absolutely. what you have found. Um, well, thank so you so much. You, are, you're welcome. Thank you for being on the program. Thank, thank you, Mary. Yeah. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, thank I'm going to ask for co-host one last time. Uh, if any, either of you have a question to ask our guest, now would be the time. <laughs> Before we uh, close the door on today's broadcast, um, I've noticed it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of great information. Thank you, ladies, for what you're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, stay close to your phone because I will probably have you back again very soon. Thank you. Always ready. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And so I'd, I'd like to reiterate to everybody, that is the bottom line. And you're not going to hear about the names and the, the offenses that these abortionists are are committing against women, injuring women frequently. And it's not the frequently part that, that bothers me most. It's the fact that it's happening frequently and we can't do anything to stop it unless the law steps in. And so I want our audience to understand that when we, you know, Thomas and I went to Chicago on the one year, near the one year anniversary of the death of Tanya Reeves. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. as, as, as much as we're trying to publicize the fact that she, the Planned Parenthood killed this young woman, what we've heard today, right here in St. Louis where I live, right where Detroit lives, where Parker lives and Lynn lives, it is a, it is an occurrence that is happening is repeated on on women all over the United States. What happened to Tanya Reeves is happening to other women. They are having their insides torn apart by unscrupulous and unethical butchers. Their babies are dying, and they're dying with their babies. All of this is a huge tragedy that is 100% preventable if abortion were not so accessible and legal. Abortion is an elective procedure. Two people would be alive if abortion were not accessible the way it is. So I I know we have I know we have people uh, listening to the show. I hope you can take the information that you've heard today, and realize we, as pro life conscientious people, need to take this information to the public. It is mm-hmm. it is easy for me to say it's a matter of public safety, but it is beyond that. It is much bigger than an issue of public safety. Where we are talking about abortionists who, opposite to what the abortion industry says abortion is for, for the health of women, is actively ending women's lives. I would say Mm -hmm. with impunity, 
I can't prove that, but it is happening at a rate and in a manner so gruesome that you cannot even imagine this happening as a medical accident. No medical, no mere medical accident. This is out and out trying to perform abortions without any regard for the safety of the women at all. Mm-hmm. And so this this is this has to this has to come to a, a legal confrontation. I think with the entire practice. So this is why yeah, this information still, is here. Go ahead, go ahead, I, go ahead and say. I was going to say it's really it was real difficult to hear and listen to those details, but we need to we need to hear that we need to under, know, come to grips with the truth of what's going on. Um, and we need to be proactive and, and do something. And it's so awesome to see these ladies in their communities, um, you know, bringing this before the public, filing lawsuits. And when we see these things happening in our communities, we need to do so. We need to to take the steps to protect um, the citizens in our in our community from um, from going into unsuspecting danger. Um, although we know, as we stated earlier, abortion um, uh, injures women. Period. Um, whether they come out with um, physical um, obvious symptoms. It, it, it um, has its effect on, on women. But um, when they are going into a situation that um, they are just targets and um, they uh, are, are, are in danger, we need to do something. Absolutely. So I know I know we need to move on and close the show. We're going to end with one one last thing that we like to end the show with. Let me cue the music. I found music that I want to use for that. <laughs> so I will be playing it here in the background. Let's see if it'll play. But while it's trying to cue up, it is our stupidest thing ever. Time for our stupidest thing ever. This week in Harry Reid's shutdown land, Michelle Obama tweets that she can't tweet so much anymore. Uh Hey, somebody tell Michelle Obama she's being scammed if she has to pay to use Twitter because it's free. <laughs> um, I, you know, maybe nobody will because it, it was the job of her 20th server, I, I mean, assistant to tell her these things, and she had to have 16 of them be furloughed this week. So it was it was either the the uh, 16 of them that she had to furlough, and one of them's job was to tell her that Twitter is for free. So maybe she doesn't know that yet. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, that is, that is these, the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. When do these people stop forgetting that they are not celebrities, that they are actual, um, they're, they're, they're to be leading our country, but they're servants of our country. They're, they're, they're elected officials um, to serve our country, and their families are not celebrities. Like, what is going on? <laughs> right. Uh, I guess the Obamas think of themselves as royalty. I have no idea. But if if she thinks that she can tweet and say, I can't tweet so much because of shutdown, uh, that's that's pretty laughable. Uh, let me tag on to that. The shutdown extends from war war, blah, war memorials here in the U.S. to all the way over to the beaches of Normandy in, in all these places we don't normally spend money to maintain. President Obama has decided to 
spend money to make them inaccessible. Nice. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you were, we weren't paying for them before, but we are now because of an enormous massive shutdown. Right. Paying to make them inaccessible. All right. Uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, please come back for more Pro Life Fridays Radio, and we will we will see you then. Have a good night. God bless. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. Bye, Thomas. I know you're still there. Have a great weekend. But bye bye. It's like fitting on a fish. It's like barking up.